everyone thanks for tuning in this is episode number 70 and today i want to talk uh, a little bit about jacob and esau i want to talk a little bit about when we find isaac blessing jacob when he thinks it's esau i have some observations that i've discovered and uh, and i want to just share some of those before I get started, um, I do want to thank you for taking the time to listen. Um, I know you all have very busy lives, and so I'm, I'm thankful that you would take the time to just stop in and see what um, you know. I'm eager to, to put out. Um, I do believe that uh, the Lord speaks to me, and I try to listen and be obedient in the moment. Um, I try to be very intentional about what I share and and what I perhaps wait on. So uh, I do want to thank you for taking the time. And also, I do want to mention, be very intentional about, um, I have a few books that are available. Um, if you haven't seen those, I do have the links in the uh, episode description notes um, so those are accessible. will take you right to Amazon. My first book is called Hosting His Presence. Um, I had a second book that is Biblical Context for Fasting. And the third one is Spiritual Identity. Um, I think they all have a, a real richness that's available to help you maybe see some things that you've never noticed before um, or maybe kind of echo something, some things or confirm things that you have maybe seen already. Um, I am confident that they will be a blessing um, as they they spend quite a bit of time through Scripture. And I'm actually working on completing a fourth one. Um, it's already written just in the editing parts, and uh, it is actually a biblical understanding of end times. So I'm excited to let that one out. Um, I believe it. it really highlights and reveals um, many things throughout Scripture. I, my hope is that it it corrects or shifts some thinking. I know it as I have walked through it, I believe that it has, uh, God has really showed me some things that I had maybe taken for granted or not actually known. Um, I try to stay very, through the whole thing, very biblical-based and um, just unpacking some of the things that I believe God showed me through my journey of understanding biblical end times. So I just want to be intentional, put, mention those, um, and uh, encourage you to check those out if you would like, and they are available on Amazon with the links in the description. So today, by the Lord's help, I want to show some some very interesting, some fascinating things that have popped out to me as I am reading through some of Jacob and Esau and, and Isaac and that dynamic. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn or just listen, and it is coming out of Genesis. Um, 
we are introduced to some of this in chapter 25, but the, the actual majority of the story uh, takes place in Genesis 27, really. But just kind of introducing the topic a little and some, some interesting, I guess, again, little pieces or tidbits. We find in chapter 25, we find this account and uh, family line of uh, Jacob and Esau. And I've never, I don't think I've noticed this before, but it is fascinating. And I think there is something inside of it. Um, I'll let you chew on it a, a little bit. But in verse 19 of, of Genesis 25, um, it tells us that Abraham became the father of Isaac and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel the Aramean from Padan Aram and sister of Laban the Aramean. So Rebekah is the sister of Laban. And if you're familiar with the story, you know that Jacob goes to, to live with Laban. He goes to work for Laban who... He works for to get Rachel, who becomes his wife, but not before Leah or Leah is first given in a trickery manner to Jacob as his wife. So Jacob takes both Leah and Rachel as his wife, but it takes him 14 years commitment to, to, to get both of those uh, ladies as his as his wife but it is interesting i think that we should keep in the back of our minds that rebecca comes from the house of laban now if you are familiar with the story between jacob and esau you you may remember and we will discuss it how Rebecca facilitates this deceit to Isaac. Now, we then also, we also know that this type of trickery or deceit happens to Jacob. So Jacob was involved in it by way of his mother, who comes from the house of Laban, who Laban deceitfully tricks Jacob. There's this victim and um, offender complex that occurs in Jacob. He's both a victim, but both an offender. And there's a common denominator in that there's a link between Rebekah, but also from the house of Laban, so there's this kind of familial relationship of deceit and trickery. So that's a little rabbit trail, interesting side fact. But what I do want to, to note is Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebecca. And Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered the prayer and his wife Rebecca became pregnant. Okay, so we get that in one verse. Isaac prayed on, the, on behalf of his wife. She was childless. The Lord answered his prayer. His wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. 
We go from childless to pregnant in one verse. But I do want you to notice Isaac was 40 when he married Rebecca. And when the story progresses in verse 26, after Rebecca has these twins, Jacob and Esau, it says that Isaac was 60 years old when Rebecca gave birth to them. So in fact, she had been childless for 20 years. Isaac was 60 when they had birth, but when they got married, he was 40. So they remained childless for 20 years. It's very easy to read the text, and we don't have a great appreciation for the span of time that happens, and we just, it, it seems very, as a reader, we get it, and it seems very easy. But 20 years pass of wondering, why can I not have a child? When will this become? When will this happen? When will this take place? I think that we have a really good appreciation for in our own lives, because we much of us, um, we, we wrestle with issues, with obstacles, with hindrances, and it feels as though it will never take place. However, Isaac and Rebecca experience a, a very similar same thing. 20 years pass before they finally give birth. So keep that in mind as you think about your own life and the trouble, troubles and tri difficulties and all these that you face. So that just gives us a little appreciation for the time frame. Now, as we continue to read in that, uh, it says in verse 20, uh, 28, Isaac, who had a taste for wild game. So Isaac, um, he desired the taste of wild game. He also, it says, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So we see kind of this division in the house. Esau loved by Jacob, but Rebekah, or I'm sorry, rather Esau loved by Isaac and Jacob is loved by Re Rebecca. So there's this kind of division. And Isaac had a taste for wild game. Keep that in your, in your mind, the sensory thing. He had a taste for wild game, wild game. Okay, verse 29. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That is why he was also called Edom. Now, Edom means red. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Now, this is just kind of a side thought that I want to kind of throw out there to you. This is actually a legitimate transaction that occurs. Jacob has something and Esau wants it. 
Esau's hungry. He's driven by his belly. And so he's been in the open country, very likely hunting, doing outdoor door type things. And he comes back and he's hungry. In the moment, he, he, he says as he's starving to death. Jacob, Jacob wants something that Esau has, and that's the rights that the 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 rights of inheritance that go along with firstborn. But Esau, he he doesn't care about this type of reality, so he is in effect saying, "What good is that? What a good is this to me?" I'm hungry now. Let me have some of this. I will exchange that right for a fulfillment of my belly, of my desire. So this, in fact, is a legitimate transaction that happens. Um, Jacob does nothing wrong in the sense of he doesn't trick him. He doesn't deceive him. There's a legitimate transaction, a a birthright for the cost of bread and stew. Okay, moving on to the heart of our story and where we actually find deceit and trickery introduced is in chapter 27 of Genesis. Verse 1, it, it says... When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. Okay, I want to point out, because I think that it's actually interesting, fascinating to consider, um, and I propose it to you for consideration. I, this is such a new a new concept. I just was eager to share this these ideas. But in the previous chapter in 26, verse 34, it says, When Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, daughter of um, Bera the Hittite, and also Basemath, daughter of Elon the Hittite. They were a source of grief to Isaac and Rebekah. Okay, so Esau was 40. What did we say? That Isaac had the twins when he was 60. So now we saw, we see Esau is 40. So doing the math, that would tell us very likely that Isaac was 100 years old or at least 100. He could have been older, sure. Um I wouldn't I wouldn't argue that to the death, but um I do I do see him being at least 100, uh, which is a, you know, fairly old, old guy. Um, however, moving on, it says when Isaac was old. So some time could have passed, a lot of time could have passed, or it could have transitioned straight into that. So here Isaac could be 100 years old. His eyes were weak. He could no longer see. He called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. 
So keeping his age and keeping that statement in mind, I want you to just think about that. Isaac said, I'm now old and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Remember, we previously said that Isaac had a taste for wild game. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now, Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah Rebecca said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats. Notice these are goats. These are domesticated animals. They are not wild game. Remember, Isaac said he, he had a taste for wild game. So notice, notice this sensory aspect. This is really what I'm trying to flush out here out of the text. The sensory aspect. He said, bring, bring two choice young goats so I can prepare a tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. Hmm. It's funny that Jacob asked the question, what if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him. Well, of course you are tricking him, but not just you are tricking him. He would be able to see that you are trying to trick him. So Jacob is more worried about the discovery of the trick than he is the actual action of the tricking. There's that, I believe, reveals something very insightful about the condition of Jacob's heart. He's worried more about getting discovered than he is the fact of his heart being deceitful. Do you see that? His mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. Now, this instantly makes me think of David and Saul. And David tried to wear the armor of Saul to go fight Goliath, but he could not. It was too big for him. It did not fit him. He couldn't move around. His mobility compromised. And so he, he chose not to wear the garments of another person. So 
This is, um, I believe, ties us to this kind of idea of um, not embracing not embracing your unique um, personhood, but rather trying to trying to portray yourself as something else. So she put on him the clothes of Esau, her older son, and put them on to Jacob. Now, verse 16, she also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with the goat skins. Then she handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, My father, yes, my son, he answered, who is it? Ah. Isaac puts him in a very precarious situation. He must declare who he is, or rather, who he is pretending to be. Verse 19, Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? Isaac is curious here. Perhaps he feels that something is amiss or perhaps he is just kind of almost at awe of his son. I mean, he knows he is a, a, an outdoorsman. He's proud of, of he is a man of the field. And, and so perhaps he knows or perhaps he doesn't know, but he is curious. How did you find this so quickly? And the response of Jacob is, is very fascinating. He says, the Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Now, this also reminds me of Saul when he is interacting with Samuel. Remember when Saul disobeys the direction of Samuel to say, do not give the sacrifice. And, and then also, when, when Saul gets the order to destroy uh, Agag and everything about that people group, destroy it completely. But he disobeyed, and he instead brought kept Agag alive and kept the best of the sheep and the, the spoils of war, if you will. And he said, Saul said to Samuel, we, we kept these things to offer them to the Lord your God. There is a absence of there's an absence of connectivity between the Lord as his God. Rather if you, if you see the Lord your God. To me it reveals an absence of intimacy between Jacob and God. So rather it's the Lord Isaac's God. Okay, verse 21. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you. Okay, so again, trying to peel back this aspect of the senses. Isaac was old, his eyes were weak, so he could not see. So his eyes were compromised. He had a taste 
for wild game. So he asked to be made a meal that he likes to eat, this tasty meal of wild game. Now, Jacob says, come close to me so that I can touch you. There's another sense. So Jacob went close to his father, Isaac, who touched him. Now remember, Rebekah had con uh, conceived of this plot with Jacob to wrap his skin in goat skin so he would be hairy like his brother Esau. But Jacob goes close to his father, Isaac, touches him and says, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Now that is, that I want that to be a resounding um, reality inside of this story. The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. So there is another sense at, at work here that is hearing the voice belongs to Jacob, but the hands belong to Esau. So there's a touch and there's a hearing. Now, we know that the hearing was actually the correct revelation because it is indeed Jacob. So the touch component deceived Isaac. But the hearing actually was propelling, was pushing Isaac to the correct revelation, the correct understanding. So the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Verse 23, he did not recognize him for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. Verse 24, are you really my son? Esau asked. I am, he replied. So um, there, is, there is several instances when Jacob is explicitly identifying himself multiple times as Esau. Um, it would be interesting, I have not confirmed this or went through to document, but it would be interesting how many times that he confirms himself to be Esau when he in fact is Jacob. Could it be there's three instances um, if there are three, that would remind me of the three instances in which Peter denies Christ. And it's interesting also to think he says of the repetition of the phrase, I am. Um, there, if, if that is the case and if there is a link in that, um, it would be quite the foreshadowing parallel uh, between what would come in the man, the manhood, the, the personhood of Peter uh, interacting with Christ. So he said, are you really my son Esau? He said, I am. Verse 25, then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat. Remember what kind of game does he like? He likes wild game. Bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought some wine, and he drank. Then his father, Isaac, said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. Ooh, 
Now we're getting close, we're getting intimate. But before I explore the kiss, Jacob, what did he eat? He, he ate the domesticated goats instead of wild game. So here we find the taste of Isaac is also compromised. It deceived him. So if you're keeping track, you know, we have five senses in the natural. Um, and if you're keeping track, you may be noticing his touch deceived him. His eyes, his sight deceived him. And his taste, he tasted the goats, but he wanted the wild game. So actually his taste deceived him as well. He touches, he touches his skin and his neck, his hands, his, the, this touch deceives him. And we, go, we, we get Jacob leans in to let his father kiss him. So it says, verse 27, So he went to him and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, So now he goes into this, But he kisses him and he smells him. Now, this is very fascinating to me because Isaac is betrayed with a kiss. Who else do we know betrayed by a kiss? Jesus betrayed by Judas. So it's very fascinating to me that we see this betrayal um, in a very similar way as uh, we find that Jesus later on, um, many, many years down the road. And so I won't read it to save time, but he goes through this blessing and he he finishes up with his father and he goes on. And then we know later on Esau comes in and there's this big eruption. Esau wants a blessing, but Jake, Jacob has already received the lion's share of the blessing, the, the predominance of the blessing. Now, so again, what I'm wanting to really flush out of this text so that we can... Um, consider it, to, to think on it, the, the senses of, of Isaac betray him. All of his senses except his hearing. He said, the voice belongs to Jacob. So his eyes betrayed him, his smell, his smell betrayed him because he, he caught the scent of the clothes of Esau. His eyes betrayed him, his smell betrayed him, his taste betrayed him, his touch betrayed him. All of his senses except one, his hearing. I believe that this is critical. And I believe that the Lord wants us to understand something inside of this revelation. It was the hearing of Isaac that tried to push him into the right revelation. If he had paid more attention to what he heard, 
then he would have been actually better suited to to have to come into correct to correct understanding the the right truth the revelation of truth you see it is it is the voice he said the voice belongs to jacob i want to to use that phrase the voice it is actually the voice that we find in genesis 1 and god said let there be god said let there be he said there is a voice that's that that is speaking that desires to be heard and that if we let this voice this voice will guide us into into right understanding in right revelation into right relationship there is a voice that that pre that predates every every sense that that we that we have that we partake of in in our in our flesh in in our being right we have all of these senses but and we see all of those senses actually contributed compromised the revelation that Isaac had regarding his son re- regarding the correct identity but there is a voice it, it, thinking about that now i i i i consider there's a voice of one crying out in the desert there's a voice crying out in the desert so we actually see in in the beginning of genesis when when adam and eve are in fellowship with god god creates all these things he sets them up in this garden and he says of all of the trees of the garden you can you can have of they can be yours but you shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil the voice gives the command if we have an ear to hear the voice then we can be then positioned postured to come into agreement now there is an element of choice that must be made adam and eve they weighed a decision and i wholeheartedly believe that there is a either cooperation or or a coming against the desires of god we can either cooperate and come into alignment or we can choose to to break off and get disaligned and go away go a route that seems right to us but we know as solomon said there is a way that seems right to a man but the end thereof is death it, it i believe solomon or maybe david spoke it to solomon but nonetheless there is a way that seems right to us 
but the end of that way is death. We have to choose this day whom you will serve. But, but all of our other senses may fail. All of our other ways to come into right understanding. See, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the path to truth leading to life. But there must come a hearing that produces in us the correct decision that leads to life. There's a hearing. And, and, and God's desire for each one of us is to come to this place of hearing him so that we can, one, grow, grow intimacy, grow this connectedness to him, but also hearing him, deciding and choosing him produces in us this life. And so what I believe that God is, is beckoning us to through this text and in my speaking is beckoning us to this place of hearing so that we can then be be rightly postured in our hearts to receive the life that he gives us through his speaking. There is a voice and before there was every before there was anything else there was a voice now we know this voice to be the voice of God. And so many times in ourselves, we may have a very we may have a very genuine desire to follow God. We may have a genuine desire of seeking him. And so many times though, and I feel this I can 100% agree with this statement because I feel it all the time too. There is a wrestling inside of me of discerning the voice. And so many times we exclude what we believe that we hear to be God and we discredit it or we disqualify it. We push it aside thinking that that. You know, that's not God. That can't be, it can't be him speaking to me. And I think it's good that we, we meditate on, we chew on these things that we believe that we're hearing. However, if we're not careful, we can chew ourselves right out of the things that God has desired for us by way of his voice. So I think there's so much more that I want to say in this, but um, they're not there. The words aren't here. So I guess I will just leave you with this challenge, with this perspective. Before, before we had words written in a book, before we had teachers who, who spend their life, commit their life 
to understanding and pursuing God's word in via the Bible. Before we had all of these things, before we had the first five books of the Old Testament, you know, the Torah, before we had all these things, we had a voice. We had an intimacy of relationship. And I would urge you to reach out to foster that relationship of the voice. Give yourself to hearing and obeying God's voice as he speaks to you in your specific situation, in your circumstances, in in your hope, in your happiness and peace, in your depression, in your devastation. Give yourself to his voice and urge you to be obedient, whatever that looks like, however that fits you. Just be obedient to his voice and we will find ourselves in a place that of, of blessing that no man can provide for us, not even a, a, a father like we see here of Isaac and doling out blessings. See, Isaac could only give a, a finite blessing, but we serve an infinite God who has more than, more than just bless me, but he himself is an inheritance, the ultimate inheritance. And in him, we find everything. In, in God, through Jesus Christ, we find the infinite, infiniteness. And so I would encourage you, seek his voice, treasure his voice, and obey his voice. Thanks for listening. God bless. I would trade a million lifetimes for a moment here with you.